motivations of our hearts bring us closer to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It probably won't surprise you that in the course of my seminary training, which is wrapping up in two short weeks, I've received a lot of advice. Always wear your collar. Rarely wear your collar. Hold your hands like this. Hold your hands like this. A lot of conflicting advice. But there's one piece of advice that has been consistent across every person. Make sure you rest after Lent, Holy Week, and Easter. So did I go to the spa? No. Did I take afternoon naps? No, I went to a three-day conference at Eden Seminary on church buildings, blessing or burden. So in the past week, I've done a lot of thinking about places that are important to me. One of those places is the arched window in the southwest corner of the Forest Park Visitor Center. The window looks out on a sprawling redbud, garden beds that nine months of the year are ablaze with color, and the expansive lawns of the park. There is an oversized brown leather armchair under that window. I go to that window and to that chair when I'm weary. When I need to draw from a well that is not in me, but that comes from my God. I go there because for years I met there with my soul sister, Karen. We met to pray and to share our lives. Death, disability, dementia, conversions from Roman Catholicism. We shared all of this under the arched window in the southwest corner of Forest Park's Visitor Center in the oversized brown leather armchairs. Though my time with Karen has dwindled, I still return to that spot. There is a power and a connection with God for me in that place. I went there on Good Friday. I went because my high school English teacher and my lifelong mentor, Laura, died late Thursday night. I spent time with her each day in the last two weeks of her life. But after I visited, after each visit, I was launched back into work, school, home responsibilities, with no time to grieve. So on Good Friday morning, I went to my arched window and my armchair, and I mourned. I brought a stack of tissues and books that Lara had given me over the years. I promptly cried through all the tissues, twice, as I read the words she thought were important for me to know. I wonder if the disciples in today's readings, gathered together in the day after their teacher's death, cried at his death as much as I did for my teacher that morning. The Gospels only tell us that Mary Magdalene went to her special place, Jesus' tomb, and wept there. But in losing Lara, I just can't imagine that all the disciples didn't cry through piles of tissues, too. And they had not, not just the loss of their teacher, but also the fear of the Roman state's 
persecution, torture, and execution looming over them. They must have wailed in grief and had adrenaline coursing through them from fear. And that house, that house where they gathered in today's gospel, it must have been as sacred a space for them as my arched window is for me. The house brought them the safety of a locked door, a refuge from the Romans. The disciples brought their suffering, their fear, their uncertainty, and their doubt. What now? What is next? They brought their seeking, seeking the words and the wisdom of their teacher. In this being together in community, they found more than themselves. They discovered the risen Jesus, not the gleaming, glorified, Eurocentric Jesus, but the brown, Middle Eastern Jesus of breath and beaten body and wide open wounds. The Jesus that they loved, that's who they found. Jesus comes to them there in that house because they are suffering, marginalized and persecuted. He came because they were seeking him. This is where we find the risen Jesus. Not in the temple, not with 5,000 gathered, but in the house with the community of suffering seekers. In this place, gathered together, Jesus brings them peace. Jesus would have used the word shalom. A rabbi friend of mine at his weekly Shabbat service strums his guitar and sings, Shalom, shelter of peace. Peace not as the absence of strife, but shelter as compassion and radical embrace. Jesus brings them this shelter of peace, and he also brings forgiveness and breathes the Spirit of God on them. With these gifts, the scripture tells us today, the disciples can move from fear to rejoicing, from doubt to the belief that we have seen the Lord. They gather in this house as hunted, fearful mourners, seeking the words of their teacher, and they emerge bathed in shalom, forgiveness, and the Spirit of God. The gathering and the gifts of the risen Jesus all come within the walls of that house. I was blessed this past summer to visit a house very much like the house we read about in today's gospel. I visited the home of a Christian-based community in the middle of violent gang territory in San Salvador. This house, where the Christian-based community has gathered for decades during civil war and gang warfare, provides safety in the midst of fear. Within those walls, they bring their lives, their country, their pain, and their triumph to meet scripture. Over the years, 
the community has filled the walls of the courtyard where they gather with bright murals of El Salvador, paintings of its beauty, its resources, and its people. Mixed among the murals are hundreds of pictures of the dead and missing from the Civil War. The space reflects their lives, their prayers, and their faith. The members of the community need a place to gather, and as they assembled in that house, they met Jesus in each other and in their lives. Their gathering became sacred, and the space, the place itself, became sacred. As we visited, the importance and the sacredness was palpable. The sacredness of our gathering places is one of the many reasons that Easter Sunday's attacks on three Christian churches in Sri Lanka were so heinous. Jesus meets the minority Christian population of Sri Lanka in their churches. He meets the members of the Christian-based community in El Salvador behind the locked doors of their houses. Just as he met the disciples behind theirs, and as he meets us here at Holy Communion. And this encounter with Jesus makes all these places sacred. But Jesus doesn't just meet them in the house. The risen Jesus meets them wherever they are together, looking for and thinking about him. He comes to them in the gospel stories, in the garden, on the road, on the beach. As the disciples are mourning, walking, fishing, they are also talking about their confusion and fear, trying to make sense of their sorrow and their lives in light of their time with the teachings of Jesus. This is where he comes to them. And just as the risen Jesus meets the disciples in the midst of their lives, he continues to meet those who are suffering and seeking him, no matter where they may be. If Jesus goes to the grief-stricken, the suffering, the oppressed, then we have to name that he goes to the people who we, the church, have grieved and oppressed. The bereaved who were met with the cold calculation of scheduling concerns instead of pastoral care. The child with profound disabilities who doesn't understand enough to receive Holy Communion. Women and queer folk refused full participation. The sexually abused. Jesus meets them too. These precious ones who when they gathered did not experience shalom forgiveness, and the Spirit of God. The gathering brought mental and physical pain and rejection. This is why Holy Communion moves its ministries outside the walls of this church, to laundromats, to pubs, and to streets. If the risen Jesus calls us to these places, and we encounter him there, then why are we raising money and working with architects on this church building? If the congregants of the three historically black churches that arsonists burned in hateful acts of racism in this past month 
continue to experience the power of the risen Jesus in the gathering of their communities, even as their churches lay in ashes, then why are they raising funds and drawing up plans to rebuild? Why do we need the buildings? Perhaps the answer lies in the disciples' response each time they encounter Jesus in the everyday brokenness of their lives, in the garden, on the road, and on the beach. Each time they encounter him, every time, they return to one place, the house. They need a place to gather together, to share their experiences of the risen Jesus in the midst of their suffering and oppression in their lives and the lives of those they encounter daily outside the walls. As they gather, they again enter into shalom, forgiveness, and the spirit of the risen Christ. In the gathering, the house itself becomes a sacred place. They go back to the house and they share all the places that they found Jesus in their morning in the garden, in their travels on the road, in their work of fishing. Jesus says in our story today, as God has sent me, so I send you. Our sending is to the suffering, marginalized, and oppressed in their lives and work. And our suffering, our sending, is to the gathering in the house. This weaving together of the world and the sacred home brings together the wholeness of the risen Christ. We weave the world and sacred home together in just a few minutes with the baptism of Desmond Richard. Mom and Dad, Rose and Dane, bring this child of the world here to this house, not just to their living room or the kitchen sink. They bring him here to this gathering of suffering seekers. There's power in that power for this dear child of God and for us. I saw another example of this wholeness of the risen Christ in a story which a parishioner shared in our Lenten Gospel of Thomas group. He gave me permission to share the story. He said, I always attended church, but I left. I consider myself a spiritual person, and I continued to pray and seek Christ. But after a while, I just knew something was missing. The seeking I was doing wasn't complete without community. And he found Holy Communion. He found us. He was experiencing part of how God sends Jesus, the sending in our everyday lives. He was missing the sending that Jesus calls us to in the gathered community. To return to the community with his experiences of the risen Jesus in his lives and the lives of those he meets, and to lift them in prayer, to filter them through the gospel narrative, and to offer them in sacrifice at the Eucharistic table. That is the wholeness to which the risen Christ sends us. And that wholeness needs a home. On Good Friday, 
I brought the fullness of my grief in the death of my teacher and her words of wisdom to my sacred space, the arched window in the southwest corner of Forest Park's Visitor Center in my oversized brown leather armchair. May each of us, following God's sending out of the risen Jesus, bring the fullness of our experiences of and with suffering, marginalization, and oppression to the sacred places where our community gathers and to our prayer and worship, and in so doing, find the shalom, forgiveness, and spirit of God. Amen. Amen.